It's Monday. It's November 14th. And the word of the day is ballot, which means that piece of paper with the names of potential government leaders on it that over 108 million of you lazy fucks didn't fill out this year. Used in a sentence, this year's ballot included an accused rapist running for president. Yeah. Normally I'd add something here, but I don't think I have anything to add. I'm no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And broadcasting delayed from America's Far Center, we are the Skeptocrats. On episode 40, we edit out a full 90% of the screaming. We try to say (laughs) President-elect Trump without swallowing back vomit, but we don't try very hard. And all you fertile ladies out there should probably stock up on abortions while you still can. Yeah, and also some kind of pussy protection gear. But first, the diatribe. And yes, we know which show this is. Never done a diatribe on this show before. Yeah, we've done duo tribes, and now that Eli's on the show, we'll have to think of something else to call those. But, but, But I still need to sound off, you know? You know, obviously the big question on the minds of rational Americans now is what the fuck happened? And, and, and look, that's not a backwards looking question. If the American meritocracy is so fucked up that a meritless bullying pervert can rise to the top of it, this is a pretty essential question to sort out because there are groups of people to blame and we need to figure out who the fuck they are. So uh, let me start with me. Right. I was a Hillary supporter from the start. In my assessment, she was the most qualified candidate that had tossed their hat in the ring, and I I still think she would have made a pretty solid president. I figured Obama got a few good things going, and the country needed a nice, boring bureaucrat like Hillary to take care of uh, a few of the changes that he'd initiated. You'll see him through that next stage. I figured we needed somebody moderate enough not to scare away to center-right, somebody who had been thoroughly vetted by the national opposition, and somebody with a strong record on realistic progressive policies, and she had all of those things. And when the Bernie supporters told me to go fuck myself with my old school politics as usual establishment choice, I ignored them. I gave my preferred candidate a lukewarm defense, but if they were really persistent, I would eventually just give up. I didn't take the threat of a Donald Trump presidency seriously enough to believe that it really mattered that I convinced those people. I had a platform that I could have been using to shout about this shit for months now, and all I really did was make fun of like the pussy grabbing type shit. But in retrospect... I owe the Bernie crowd an apology, and this is it, right? You guys warned me that Hillary was too boring to inspire young people to the polls, and you were right. You know, I I agreed. You know, I I didn't think it was going to be so critically important, but I agreed that you were right. And I know a lot of my fellow Hillary supporters are loath to admit this at this point, but we should have listened. Because whatever you think of Bernie, you have to admit he could have upped the turnout in some key demographics, particularly young people. I still think Hillary would have made a better president than Bernie, and we can argue about that all you want. But I think we can all agree that either of them would be orders of magnitude better than President-elect Trump. So that's my apology to Bernie supporters. I should have taken you and your concerns more seriously. But that's also where I draw the line. Because I've seen a ton of Bernie supporters trying to absolve themselves from any post-election guilt with prognostications about how much better their candidate would have done in the general. Look, guys, gals, slow down. Right? We can all agree that he likely would have driven a lot more young voters to the polls, but that does not an election make. 
Who the hell knows what they'd have dug up on him, what would have stuck? You know, he has not been nationally vetted. Who the hell knows how many frightened Americans would run to the polls to vote against the socialist? Sure, he would have captured some of the Trump anti-establishment vote, but to put that forward as proof that he would have won the general election is silly. And don't come to me with a bunch of polls showing how much better he'd have done in Wisconsin or whatever. Those same pollsters were showing Hillary winning handily the night before, remember? You know, we've seen the man run one national campaign and he lost to a lady that couldn't even beat Donald Trump. I'm not saying that he couldn't have won, but if you have no doubt that Bernie would have won, you're doubting wrong and you should know better. You know, every time we have a presidential election, we go through this shit. The party that lost has a fight over whether they should have gone further towards their base or tried harder to appeal to the middle. But at the moment, it's not about whether we should move further to the left or further to the center so much as we need to move closer together. So step one here is we need to get over this if everybody had just listened to me shit. The Hillary supporters should have taken the Bernie supporters more seriously. And at the same time, the Bernie supporters should have taken this situation more seriously. You know, I know a lot of you fell in line and you held your nose and you voted for Hillary, but that clearly wasn't enough. You know, when you saw what we were up against, it was your civic duty to get behind your candidate with full-throated support. Like it or not, the presidential election gives you a binary choice. That's the system we have. You may not like Hillary Clinton, but she was the only one on that ballot that represented LGBT rights or women's rights or the rights of immigrants or religious freedom or basic human decency. She was the representative of those causes. And whatever you think of her, you owed it to your democracy to get excited about those causes. I mean, I'm not trying to give you too much shit. I'm just suggesting you're probably guilty of the same crime I'm guilty of, right? You didn't take the threat seriously enough. And if you thought it would be enough to show up at the polls, mutter something under your breath about how much better we can do and cast your reluctant, apathetic vote, you were wrong. You didn't see yourself in there voting for continued steps towards LGBT equality or social progress or affordable health care. You saw yourself in there voting for Hillary Clinton. So, um, you know what, you get off with a couple of Hail Marys or a few minutes in timeout or whatever, but then there are those others of you, those who did not vote for Hillary, folks who didn't bother to vote at all or pissed away their civic duty on some impotent dick-waving protest vote, you know, they, they pouted their way through the election like a starving man turning away a sandwich because he wanted the crusts cut off. They said they're justifying their civil ineptitude by acting like it's the job of some candidate to inspire them to bear the minimal fucking responsibility of driving across town and pushing a fucking button. I'm sorry nobody told you this last month, but the simple fact that you want your gay friends to keep their rights is supposed to be enough to inspire you to do that. The simple fact that you don't want your country run by a guy who thinks global warming is a myth is supposed to do the trick here. The fact that you've been entrusted with the care of the world's oldest semi-functional democracy is supposed to be all the inspiration that you need to go to the goddamn polls and vote for the person who isn't Donald goddamn fucking Trump. I mean, quit bitching about the government, people. You are the government. Yes, it's an imperfect democracy, sure, but how can you justify bitching about its imperfections if you're not doing your fucking job in the first place? A democracy sure as hell can't be better than the voters that actually show up to the polls, can it? If you actually want to fix shit, you have to start voting in primaries, you know, voting in local elections, donating your time and money to congressional candidates that you like, following the national and local news, seeking out objective sources on ballot initiatives, and engaging the friends you disagree with politically. Now, if that sounds like too much trouble, don't worry, there is another way. You can master a couple of phrases like the whole system is rigged and vote them all out. And then you can cling to those like a Christian chanting the mysterious ways mantra. You can stay at home bitching on Facebook about how your needs aren't being taken seriously while continuously reiterating the message that you're sending to the politicians that you don't matter. 
Look, we're bad at democracy. My generation, the one before me, the one after me, we like to protest. That's what we want to do. That makes us feel engaged. It's fun. And in some instances, it also really accomplishes super important shit. But in all of those instances, right, the actual change, the sausage making that winds up with the country that we're happier with happens in boring fucking meetings with arcane rules and ostentatious titles. Uh, uh, Bruce Carlson from the My History Can Beat Up Your Politics podcast called politics the boring stuff that happens instead of war. And I don't know that a better definition has ever been offered. But boring is right at the heart of politics. It's a necessary component. If you've ever been to a city council meeting or a legislative session, you'll know the only time it isn't boring is when it isn't working. You know, even going to vote is often an arduous and time-consuming experience. So, you know, you could read up on energy policy and write letters to your congressman, or you could go to a big pipeline protest. The honest truth is that the former is probably going to accomplish more But it's going to be boring as hell and you won't get any cool pictures. And from the baby boom on, that's where we seem to think that our political efforts are best spent. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that protest is useless or that we shouldn't protest. You know, when they're done right and organized around a coherent cause, organized protests are the most powerful democratic weapon we have at our disposal. So if we want real change, we do need people who are willing to show up in the street and be counted. We do need people ready to give these impassioned speeches. We do need the fun shit to still happen. But that is just the tip of the iceberg of lasting, meaningful political change. And and we also have to tend to all the other iceberg shit if we want to make it stick. You know, if we're only active as long as we're outraged, the powers that be know that all they have to do is placate us for a week and then distract us with something else. So look, if you're feeling like I am this week, if you're feeling angry and impotent and ashamed of your country, if you feel like going back in time to tell the founding fathers that they're overestimating us, I have a suggestion. Write down how you're feeling right now, you know, or, or, or say it into a voice recorder or take a picture, whatever, whatever you have to do to hold on to this memory, this feeling right now. And then go out there and take back your fucking democracy. Whatever you're doing now, ramp it up. If you only vote in the presidential elections, start voting in the midterms. If you don't know who your congressperson is, find out. If you've never written to him, write to him. If you've never gone to a city council meeting, go to one. If you've never considered running for office, maybe change your mind. We've never needed you more. You know, donate your time and your money and your rage. And whenever it gets boring and seems pointless, try to come back to right now. Try to live in this feeling for a little while so you'll remember what it feels like when you leave this kind of shit, shit this important, to everybody else. So we're really trying our best to keep the show nice and upbeat this week, but we're hoping you can forgive us one self-serving moment for some worst-case scenario insurance. So here comes a new segment called Why Other Countries Might Want Us. This is the new part of the show where we reach out to the international community to say the three of us aren't really that bad once you get to know us. Eli, why don't you start us off? Right. Start with the weakest first. Um, uh, Dear Scotland, I already spell like you talk. I feel like I'd fit right in. <laughs> dear Australia, I'm white. I hear that really matters. It does. It makes, it really makes does. a difference. Dear Canada, I can personally support an entire Tim Hortons with just my second <laughs> breakfast. You want me. Dear Sweden, 
I will offer a prime opportunity for your beautiful, sexually liberated women to horrify their parents. And he'll <laughs> cut down on the Lyme disease. Dear Canada, yeah? I recognize that the Aboot thing is actually a confusion created by a phoneme American English speakers don't recognize as a distinct diphthong. Dear Vatican City, pretty much all the fugitive Nazis look like they could be my brother. Just throwing it out there. I feel like I could be useful. <laughs> Dear Germany, I feel like you guys have been through this already. Maybe you can offer some tips on how to adjust that I can send home. <laughs> this has been Why Other Countries Might Want Us. And now, back to the show. Uh, Dr. Carson? Dr. Carson! What? I'm sorry. I was not paying attention. There's a girl crying in the hallway. Is she okay? No. Nobody is okay. They didn't even narrow it down. There is literally a suicide room in this building now. So anyway, this is your office where you'll be the Secretary of Education. Fantastic. Now, where is the chalkboard? You want a, uh, I'm sorry, the chalkboard? Yeah, for lessons where I can write out for the children's, their reading, their writing, their arithmetic. No, Dr. Carson, you're gonna be the secretary of education. You don't, you don't, you don't teach. Oh, I see, I'm the secretary of education. Yes, yes, so this is your office. And Mr. Duquesne will come in each morning, I'll take his correspondence. What? Take dictation as his gal Friday in a pencil skirt. Take down voicemails, etc. Mr. Duquesne's office, Ben Carson speaking. Yeah, that's exactly it. If you need me, you'll find me in the suicide room. Oh no, Mr. Duquesne, I dropped my pencil. Let me bend over, pick it up. Nope. Oh, there goes another one. <laughs> I'm excited to work with Steve Bannon. He says I can use the N-word. <laughs> So uh, ever since we elected a jack-o'-lantern troll doll to be president, everybody's been looking for someone to blame. Mm -hmm. And mostly they're finding the people they were already blaming for other shit, which is apparently good enough to win a presidential election. So maybe it's the right strategy. True. And that's why we decided to see if we can help everyone prioritize their rage with a quick trip to the blamometer. So Noah, Eli, here's how it's going to work. I'll name a possible culprit for blame, and you tell me, on a scale from 1 to 10, where Donald Trump is 10, mm -hmm. how much blame they get for the fact that our country is now run by a person whose spoken sentences can't be transcribed with punctuation. You guys ready? Is this an, is this an exponential scale? <laughs> or a, I don't... You didn't... You know what? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. We'll go. Okay, let's start with an obvious one. Third party voters, go. Ooh, ooh, um, 857. <laughs> now, I, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Before you start tweeting, I want to be very clear. I've sent this out a few times on like my social media and stuff and, and, and Noah addressed this in the diatribe and the response that we've gotten is, no, it's not our fault for handing Trump the presidency. It's your fault because your candidate wasn't shiny and new. The problem is for third party voters, Hillary Clinton was leaps and fucking bounds more qualified than Gary Johnson, who couldn't name a foreign leader he admired or what Aleppo was and Jill Stein, who's an anti-vax, anti-Wi-Fi, anti-nuclear 
nuclear power nut job. And I swear to God, the first Green Party asshole who doesn't take the time to Google the factual nature of what I just said, I'm going to drive to your home. I'm going to sneak into your little hemp window. I'm going to cut out your heart and I'm going to eat it because it's organic. I'm going to eat it. Non-GMO. No Monsanto. You hear me? Right. Like, look, if you wanted to use your vote to send a message and that message was not... I don't give a fuck who the president is. Your message remains unheard. Yeah, and I'd like to paraphrase a great philosopher here. He's also general counsel of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. So I thought Andrew said it best on Atheistically Speaking when he pointed out that casting a vote is not equal to sending a goddamn message. A vote is a means of achieving a desired outcome. That's it. It's not like Donald Trump is going to be sitting there in the Oval Office saying to himself, you know what? Jill Stein got 1% of the popular vote. That's pretty good. Maybe I should, uh, maybe I should ban Wi-Fi. It's not gonna fucking happen. None of those right. things are gonna happen. Well, right. Now, he may ban Wi-Fi. Not because of that. No, though. exactly. And, and beyond that, what is the message, right? Like, cause the DNC is having the same old, should we have gone further or left or more to the center conversation that they always have after losing an election? The third party voters tell them nothing about that. Right. And I want to address one other thing. The other argument one hears is that, like, we don't know that every Gary Johnson voter wasn't otherwise going to vote for Trump. And you know what? I'm going to call bullshit on this this particular time, because if they knew well enough not to vote for Donald Trump, then you should have known in a swing state that you needed to vote for Hillary. It's not e-fucking enough to abstain from evil. You have to fight it. And you fucking didn't. And look, if you voted for Gary Johnson in New York, I, I want to give you a, a pass. Fine. You're you're an idiot who needs to listen to opening arguments episode about libertarianism. <laughs> you need to turn off Steph Molyneux and open a fucking civics textbook. But you didn't give this election away. You were just well aware that your message and your issue of choice was more important than the safety of others. So live up to it. I, I just want you to embrace it. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying you should. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, one other thing on this, even if Jill Stein or Gary Johnson did get 5% of the vote, uh, are we honestly saying that slightly better funding next time and a little bit of ballot access, is that more important than not having a maniac in the Oval Office right now or in January? I mean, I'd love to see third parties have more access and better funding. That's good stuff. But given what you had to weigh that against this time, it's not even a fucking question. Yeah. What is wrong with you? So I think we the blameometer ended at uh, 857, I believe, was the bid. And we'll, we'll go with that. We'll roll Yeah, with seems that. reasonable. All right, how about James Comey? James Comey is up next. Go. Um, honestly, very little. Two, maybe three. I think he did his very best to get Donald Trump elected, but didn't seem to really affect her support that much or his. I don't think voters were depressed by his announcement. I don't think anyone stayed home because like the the emails were going to be reinvestigated. I think Comey is just one more crony who wanted to vie for the supervillain so he could keep his job building volcano lairs, which he is now absolutely (laughs) going to get to do when the real motherfucking Muslim register gets enacted. Oh my god. Well, yeah, so I I don't know if I I quite buy. I do think he depressed the vote um, but more than anything I'm frightened of the precedent it sets and, and while I think it's a bit of a stretch to argue that it was definitive it was significant you know in an election like this one this could have been definitive so I'm gonna give him a five you know I'll admit he probably didn't swing the election to Trump but he swung it towards Trump and considering his job the fact that he's swinging it at all is pretty fucking bad yeah uh, my instinct is to give him about a five here too but considering he looks like a 
Ray Liotta ice giant. I'm giving him a fucking six. Uh, it's an extra one just yeah, for that. He gets an extra one for that. Super evil. He definitely helped Trump get elected to some extent. We don't know what, but some extent, I would say. And he did it by issuing an incomplete statement. I mean, if we're going to have the FBI director saying things like the Democratic candidate probably is not a foreign spy right before the election twice, <laughs> I feel like he needs to define probably better at the very least. It, we, we need a basis for comparison here. Right. Like he needs to say it's far less likely that Hillary Clinton gets convicted of treason than it is that Donald Trump gets convicted of raping a child. <laughs> like perspective is the issue here. Yeah, it's like an SAT question that'll help people with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. All right, moving on. How about Hillary Clinton? Ooh, uh I'm going to go with 244. Hillary and look, I rah rah rod right up until we lost. Hillary ran the worst full stop fucking presidential campaign in history. She was the least inspiring, most elitist, most boring, off-putting fucking candidate. She couldn't make between two ferns work. In an election where <laughs> Donald Trump was capturing the imagination of Americans, she was quote-unquote going high. No, Hillary, you need to go low, baby doll. And she needed to stop calling his supporters racist. Is that true? Absolutely. But that's not the message she was supposed to to fucking send and look i'm stealing this from andrew as well so forgive me for turning smart all of a sudden but every time <laughs> donald trump said something racist or sexist or bigoted she needed not to say yeah those assholes who follow you believe that because they're hillbilly shit kickers doesn't matter if it's true of course it's fucking true she should have said oh how dare you pretend the people of this country would be appealed to by behavior and she should have hammered that lie that farmers in minnesota aren't racist over and over and over again until every make america great again hat wearing dipshit was inspired by how awesome hillary thinks every steel mill worker in the country is to vote for her there are times to tell people they are worthless shitless horrible fucking garbage humans i should know it's my my job but it's not right before you ask them to vote for you hill dog <laughs> as it turns out yeah i mean we get it hillary you read the game great but but you're clearly horrible at negging it's supposed to be subtle you can't just go to bars and yell out neo-nazi in hopes of getting laid generally doesn't work I feel like peacocking would have been the move here, right? I mean, like a shiny anklet or an absurd oversized hat. That literally would have been a better campaign strategy than the one she used. Oh, it could not have been much worse. Yeah, look, I've already admitted that as a Hillary supporter from the start, I have to take some blame. She was a shit candidate who didn't have a clear message other than I'm not Donald Trump. Now, to her credit... That should have been the only message the Democratic candidate needed this year. But clearly her think? campaign's like, you know, let's stand really, really still and hope they don't see us tactic didn't work out. Fuck. All right. Um, <laughs> what about racists? That's the next category. Uh, two, they were always going to vote for Trump. If anything, they drove his vote down among the mainstream. He lost white votes because of racists. I, I wish, I wish they were a 10 for why Hillary won. But the truth of the matter is that the people who didn't care and weren't afraid of racists are 10 times more terrifying than the racists themselves. I feel like that depends on what race you are. But yeah, yeah no, point taken. That's, fair. That's a good point. Yeah, all right. You gave him a two. I'm not really sure how to translate this into a number out of 10. But 
uh, I'm going to put it this way. The KKK is celebrating the election result yeah, exactly. right now and enthusiastically opening new chapters and having parties and shit. The American Electoral College agrees with the KKK about who should be president. That's just a fact. Not a great sign. Well, right. And, and I mean, I feel like we can't discount the idea that the racist guy with the racist message at the center of his platform may have won the presidency because we're a really racist country. Shh. She might have been right about the deplorables. Like, you know, there's no way to dig into election data and parse which groups were offset by other groups. But there's no question that racists were crazy motivated to vote for Trump. You know, I mean, yes, you can point to numbers and say, well, in the last two elections, the Republican candidate won a higher percentage of the blah, blah, blah. But in the last two elections, the Democratic candidate was a black guy. (laughs) So the racists were going to, you know, he kind of expected that. So I'm giving the racists about a seven here, especially when you consider that tolerating racism is racist. Mm. All right. Um, so next up we have trigger warnings and safe spaces. What do you think about that? Ooh, <laughs> Eli, Ooh, Eli, <laughs> oh, right Eli why don't you take this one? <laughs> oh, let's see. I'm going to go with negative 4,074. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Look, it should come as no surprise to nobody that people whose message for the last few years blaming social justice for literally everything decided to blame social justice for this. Honestly, I, I genuinely wish I had a dollar for every dickhole who thought they got me on Wednesday by tweeting how much this was my fault for telling race holes they're assholes. And you know what? If the white vote had just fucking surged this election, I'd be right there with you. If white people had turned out in droves to just like once and for all prove that mental health resources are bad and post-traumatic stress (laughs) order is good, I would genuinely reconsider my position. I'm not being facetious about that part of that, or at least the way I approach it, right? But the demonstrable numerical fact is that that less white people voted for Trump than voted for Romney. Less of everyone voted because we need more social justice, more empowerment. And what's so mind-blowingly stupid about this shit is that these assholes don't realize they're, like, admitting to being racist when they say this stuff. If I say, just take this, if I say, everyone should take it easy on people who make vaginas out of the old hot dogs they throw out at Yankee Stadium, everybody (laughs) knows I'm the guy fucking the hot dogs. I mean, I mean, fuck, this message genuinely, genuinely boils down to LGBTQ people should have asked for their personhood nicer, and black people should have said pretty please when they asked for their lives to matter. Well, right. I mean, and while we're on the subject, there's been a systematic effort over the last several years to take the vote away from minorities in the South, thanks to the gutting of the Voting Rights Act. So yeah, like, the lack of social justice definitely factors in. That much is provable. The rest of it is just bullshit hypothesis. Yeah, the the rest is just what your agenda was for the last two years. And, And fuck me in the goddamn throat. Above it all, above everything else, the quote, why weren't you willing to have a conversation, end quote, is what blows my mind. I mean, I have spent the last two years begging every safe space joke-making, trigger-warning-mocking person to have a conversation with me. You know what I get? I get assholes on my Twitter telling me that my wife crying makes them happy the day after our last week's show came out. I got shit fuckers emailing me that they wanted my wife to get raped after my first appearance on Cogdis. That's what I got for asking nicely to have polite conversations and getting a bad source. And yet, 
You sit there and watch Dave Rubin have an ever-increasingly bizarre line of white supremacists, climate change deniers, and motherfucking monsters on his show to punch the same tired straw man, and now you're going to pretend that we're the ones unwilling to debate? Hey, I got some news for you, baby girl. We debated you about whether or not black people were people in the 60s. The fact that a brand new generation of assholes wants a repeat performance and that a 19-year-old trans girl might not want to go Oxford-style debate with your favorite YouTube troll does not make the question back up for debate. Trump's a climate change denier. Was this because we were too mean to them? Trump's an anti-vaxxer. Should we have let them teach in our schools, really hash that out in our medical schools? What man in the White Castle version of history do you inhabit where George Wallace stepped aside because MLK asked nicely? (laughs) So look, Look, I am sorry, internet trolls. I, I know you were really hoping I couldn't read numbers. And I'd agree that like ethics in gaming journalism really is important. And that should have been a key <laughs> issue to the election. But you must know this is going to make everyone fight harder. I mean, I am going to continue to embarrass your heroes and educate your friends. I'm going to continue to be a better debater and quietly, politely, smilingly kindly change the mind of everyone you know. And worst of all, I am going to make every black, gay, trans, and other person out there know that they have a safe home in this community until you are fucking swarmed. I'm going to defeat you, right? I've already defeated you, really, honestly. But someday, I'm going to beat you so badly, you'll pretend you never disagreed. I want you to enjoy this moment. (laughs) The clock just fucking started. (laughs) Okay, so uh, if I'm summing that all up, I think Eli's giving it a zero. Is that right? <laughs> uh, or on a log scale, uh, zero. <laughs> and uh, if anyone else wants to debate with Eli about how Disney crows and anti-gay hate speech should have more legal protection in order to make sure we don't become infantilized by making minority groups feel safe at their college campus, we'd love to hear you try. Can't yep. wait. I, I at mean- Eli Bosnick. You know, look, I, I get it. It's really easy to say, if everyone had done what I said, things would have been different when no one's ever going to do what you said. I mean, it's so fucking easy to say that. Some people clearly make a living out of it, or at least a s- substantial internet following out of it. But if your answer for what, like, what went wrong in the election is the same answer you would have had regardless of what I'd swapped out the word election for, I'm not probably going to take you super serious. <laughs> you were just saying that before you were even asked the question. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. You were just right. yelling yeah, exactly. that constantly. Safe spaces, safe spaces, safe spaces. <laughs> Meaningless. Yeah, right. What do you right. want from Popeyes? A fucking <laughs> cuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, moving on. What about Nate Silver and pollsters in general? Who can't count, uh, apparently. I'm going to go with like a six. I, I honestly really do think that pollsters' confidence that Trump would lose by a landslide was instrumental in depressing voter turnout. Yeah, that definitely didn't help. Um, but I'm only going to give him and pollsters like a two or a three. They actually can count. But um, I think the bigger issue is that a whole bunch of people are secret racist liars. That's true. That's true. When and you're working with the data they give you. kind of how it works. Yeah, the model's only as good as the data, which was made up of, again, uh, secret racist liars in this case. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, like, pollsters, they, they should have been asking Greek islanders what American white people would say about whether they were lying <laughs> when they claim they didn't like Donald Trump. The whole thing. Uh, all that being said, 
I'd like to add, uh, fuck Nate Silver. Get your shit together. Well, you know, and, and, and Nate's probably taking way too much shit, uh, like specifically Nate versus other pollsters because he's not like one of the worst ones, but he's the one that everybody was kind of listening to. So I, 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 I'm tempted to give him a little more, but the real problem here is that Americans don't really do numbers. Not right. Great. Like, I mean, with the 538 blog says like, well, Trump has a 20% chance of being president and everybody's breaking out champagne glasses. It's like, no, no, that's a terrifying statement. That's a one in five chance <laughs> that Trump is like, people should look at that number and say, fuck guys, we're going for like five sigma here. <laughs> so get your ass out and vote. And, and to Nate's credit, he was saying that. Um, but just pollsters in general, yeah, really fed into this just, you know, oh, don't worry about it. You can stay home. We got this shit. Kind of yeah. an attitude. Yeah. Nate Silver isn't at fault here. He's just that friend that always had weed who doesn't have weed this time. <laughs> so you're way right. madder at him than you should be. It's like, oh, yeah. No, I want to hear about your dying mom. How's her cancer? Oh. <laughs> well, 630. Better hit the hay. <laughs> right. Being your friend sucks. <laughs> All right, moving on. Moving on. Um, what about Bernie or Bust? Where are we going to rate that? Oh, God. I mean, how many of them were there? I'm, I'm going to go with the same on the scale as there were actually in the race. Nine. <laughs> no, I mean, look, Noah said it best in the, the diatribe before this, but like every candidate shouldn't have to be a knight in shining armor. The lives of your gay, trans, Mexican, and Muslim friends should have been enough to inspire you. I am genuinely sorry Hillary didn't shit diamonds, but that was up to you to sort of buckle down and be better. Well, yeah, I mean, look, there is definitely something to be said for the qualities that Bernie would have brought to the election, and maybe he would have won it, you know? And if he'd won the primary, by the way, I'd have been working damn hard to get the dude elected. I'm perfectly willing to admit that we may have made the wrong choice in the primary, but the primary happened democratically, and when you come to the election, the general election, the choice is binary. One of these two people is going to be the president at the end of the night, and if you honestly don't see a substantive difference between your two choices in this particular particular election you should probably just find a smart person and vote how they tell you to vote that's what i did it's noah yeah it's it's noah (laughs) (laughs) and if we're blaming who fucked up the primary i don't think it's the democrats as much anyway you're right (laughs) (laughs) i liked ben carson (laughs) (laughs) all right so here's the other thing this is how it works if you wrote in a candidate who is definitely going to lose and who was literally telling you at the time yeah, that's stupid. Don't vote for me. Vote for Hillary. Uh-huh. You should have listened to the smart person who just told you how to vote. And your vote didn't accomplish anything. Your vote was mathematically equal to the phrase, I think Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton would be exactly the same quality as presidents. Yep. And just to be clear, this is coming from a person who would have loved to see Bernie Sanders become president. I love that guy. Super virtuous dude. But once it became clear to me... That wasn't going to happen. I made a realistic choice and used my vote in a way that actually had potential value, like a fucking grown-up. Again, I'd love to see more than two viable candidates in the future, and that's great if you want to work towards that over the next four years, eight years, whatever. But on November 8th, 2016, that wasn't one of the fucking options. No, that's what, not what we were doing at God that point. God damn it. You're like yeah. a little kid throwing his chicken on the floor and yelling, I want unicorns! Like, <laughs> useless. 
Unicorn's so much tastier. That's not the question. So nope. much tastier. Melts in the mouth. And, nah. and I want to take a moment. Can you imagine if Bernie had gotten the nomination, the three of us sitting here about how it wasn't our fault because Hillary was our gal? You think Obama <laughs> would have refused to endorse him? You think there would have been people screaming, yay GMOs, yay GMOs at the Democratic <laughs> National Convention, shouting down former sharecropper sons? Absolutely not. I'm sorry. You might hate the establishment, but I hate to break it to you, babies. The establishment establishment would have fallen the fucking line. You should have learned to make lemonade rather than poison all the lemons. <laughs> well said, sir. Pretty reasonable. All right. Um, how about the electoral college? Well, we're gonna rate that. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I'm going to go with a zero here because okay, look, blaming the electoral college is is a little like saying your team gained the most yards even though they lost. So now we should work to make like the win loss metric how many yards you gain. You know, that's not the game the other team was playing, right? If both teams were playing for a different outcome, the outcome would probably have been different. That seems pretty self-explanatory to me. Yeah, and, and I mean, the only argument I've heard in favor of this is like, we would have won. And, and that's it's great. Pretty strong. I, that's pretty I strong. would like to win. <laughs> I would also like New York City and California to run the country, right? Yeah. To just get yeah. Cybabe as Secretary of State. But <laughs> that's the way we feel right now. Like the, the way we feel right now, this sort of lurching, impossibly horrible suck of depression, how you keep trying to like blink your way out of it, of like being a stranger in your own country. That's how you make the middle of the country feel. If if it becomes a popular vote. And look, as much as I hate the system of like every four years pretending assholes who don't know right from wrong in Florida matter, <laughs> if we're the minority, we would prefer that chance to win, right? Also, again, broken record here. We just need to make the vote more popular in the swing states. <laughs> Problems like, like that, like, oh, big vote thing, totally a solution. Just do it in Pennsylvania. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that it's silly to claim at this point that Hillary would have definitely won the popular vote if the Trump campaign was also trying to win the popular vote. And that, I mean, that wasn't the game very clearly, but I'm still giving the Electoral College a symbolic one here because I don't think it's the best way to run the game. So I feel like in the football analogy, it's more like the Hillary camp complaining that they scored the most points, but for some reason, the NFL awards the win to the team that won the majority of the little five-minute segments during the game, regardless of the total score at the end. Right. Again, granted, both sides knew this rule, so there's no argument to be made for just declaring Hillary the winner now. But given that the majority of the country feels like the popular vote winner should be the winner, it seems like it's worth looking into a system that more closely resembles that will. We should have the Electoral College vote on whether the popular vote <laughs> is what you say it is. <laughs> And uh, I realize the answer might not be a straight popular vote, even if that sounds the most intuitively democratic, and I think it does. But, I mean, just this week, I've listened to someone uh, a lot smarter than me, again, Andrew, <laughs> explain the potential flaws of a popular vote, and he made some excellent points. My latest thought was a winner-take-half system uh, as, like, kind of a compromise, where half of each state's electoral votes go to the overall statewide winner – and the other half are given by proportion of the popular vote in that state. And uh, I'm honestly interested to hear from all the intelligent listeners we have why that's stupid and wrong. Like, genuinely, <laughs> like, tell me why that's wrong and what might be better. Um, 
I think it's a really good math problem to be working on either way. Well, yeah, right. Look, I mean, but the thing to keep in mind is that there is value in the Electoral College, right? It, it doesn't do what it was supposed to do. But if the candidates were just worried about turning out the most possible votes, it would be all a calculus of dollars per person reached, which would mean that our national elections would happen almost exclusively in New York and L.A. And sure, Cybabe cool might wind up as uh, in the cabinet, but so might Food Babe. You know, this isn't great. Plus, it gives politicians less reason to cater to voters in the middle, so it also is going to ultimately ramp up partisanship. And I don't think anybody's sitting back saying, well, what we need is more partisanship. The point is, (laughs) the Electoral College may be flawed, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. The simple answer is almost never the correct one, right? Anyway. All right, so um, moving on to the next one. How about people who motherfucking stayed home on Election Day? That's a large chunk of people. Someone else talk first. 84 million. Yes. No, I'm giving it 10 out of 10. I mean, look, however you want to parse the math, the real culprit here is voter apathy. We can we can parse that and try to like find reasons for the voter apathy, but that's the real problem. The the turnout in one of the most vital elections in American history almost certainly was fucking pathetic. God damn it. Yeah. If you didn't vote that's even worse than writing in Bernie when you know that's going to be useless. Instead of the little kid throwing his chicken on the floor and screaming for unicorn, you're throwing your chicken on the floor and screaming, I want nothing, hunger strike, <laughs> and you're dead. Yep. You're the fucking worst. I want you to starve. Right. But instead you starve the Muslim next door. Hunger, yeah, a Muslim hunger strike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. Gay hunger strike, but I'm straight. <laughs> All right, and finally... uh Last one. What about the Skeptocrats extended hiatus? 10 out of 10. Heath would not do it. We begged him. We were like, Heath, please. He's just looking at maps of Soho constantly. (laughs) Crazy. (laughs) I blame him. It's like a GOP campaign. God damn it. All right. Um, Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how to score this one, but regardless, you should definitely be listening to opening arguments, whether we're on or not. Yeah, no, and we're not. And we're not. We've noticed. Yeah, look, obviously, this show got trapped on the back burner over the last couple of months, which is precisely the worst time for that to have happened. And I should say in our defense that, you know, we were in a position where something had to get stuck on the back burner and we couldn't afford to keep doing any of this if it was scathing or gam. Uh, but we've expanded our team a bit in the last couple of weeks. We brought in some help with some of the company type shit uh, and we're going to be able to give Skeptocrat another go. Right, so starting now, we're back on our bi-weekly schedule, and we'll reassess that at the beginning of the year. Very excited, though. Yeah, and and for whatever it's worth, we, we missed we missed you, too. All right, so um, last thing, any culprits I neglected to mention that you guys want to throw in a little hate towards right here? Hmm. Ooh, uh, internet trolls. Hey, you turned all conversation into picking the marshmallows out of bowls of diarrhea. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, a really good one, yeah. Uh, let's see. I- I'm going Ayn Rand. Seriously, fuck Ayn Rand. There's right. never a wrong time to say fuck Ayn Rand. Right? Well, okay, so Donald Trump told us all about him. How about fuck the assholes who didn't rig the election or who insufficiently rigged the election for Hillary? <laughs> yes, the Jews. <laughs> well, Where I didn't were you? just say it like that, but yeah. No, yeah, I actually tweeted about this earlier in the week. Uh, the lizard aliens didn't do shit. Like, what would you guys say... You do here, if not fix this for Hillary. What was the whole thing? Yeah. God oh, damn it. Hey, 
Ooh, I got one. Hey, Jimmy Fallon, <laughs> you messed up Hitler's hair. I'm sure he'll let you do your best 20 about the Muslim camps. <laughs> <laughs> Smile at the camera. No one is laughing. That's why you laugh at your own jokes. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to throw in bad parenting here. Your dad is probably stupid. Most dads are stupid. <laughs> Stop listening to what your dad says no matter what. Unless he's smart like my dad. <laughs> exactly. Just stop listening to my dad. That's the problem. Yeah. All right. My and dad also, didn't vote. Uh, on a serious Dude. note. Oh, God. He's dead. My dad's dead. As, yeah. Yeah. No, we. Yeah. So <laughs> another, on a serious note here, coming off of that morbid note, how about minority voter suppression, like the evisceration of the Voting Rights Act, that made a pretty big fucking difference, I think. Yeah, and we'll continue to do so now that we don't get fucking a supreme court with sane people on it you don't think anymore. uh trump's gonna make election day a national holiday and really make sure that minorities get out to vote i hear that they all live in murder cities made on fire yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> it's a, lot, a lot of log cabin minorities out there to be fair yeah yeah, yeah. Ooh, uh can i go with uh uh air quotes balanced news shows that like pretended kellyanne conway belonged on fucking tv Giving stupid people attention makes other stupid people think they have valid points. And by the time you got around to being like, no, 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 don't listen to her. She'd already been on TV for a year. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. I got one more. Um, I think this was uh, at least a minor issue. Um, Christianity. Fucking well, yeah. Jesus. That's fair. That's fair. The evangelicals certainly helped push him over the edge there. And how about finally the news networks that promoted Trump almost exclusively in the primaries over all of the other possible candidates and gave right. him like 99 times the airtime or whatever it turned out to be. Right. And I want to talk about the like common apologetic, which is like, oh, well, you know, they needed to talk about Trump. They needed. No, 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 no. You needed to acknowledge Trump eventually. But early, like, look, I had no problem with a day piece of like, look at this asshole on the escalator. <laughs> but then all the attention leading up to the prime, there was a time to go, OK, enough of that. So Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio, who do we think? Right. Yeah. All right. Well, I wanted to close on a less apocalyptic note, but I guess that was impossible. Um. But I figured we could end the show desperately searching for a silver lining and try to make it a little brighter here. So any ideas on the happy side of a Trump presidency? Any, oh. any good news here? We should just like the music should just start playing now while we just go. Oh, I got one. <laughs> Four more years of Eli's Donald Trump voice. <laughs> Well, I, I guess also four more years of Eli's Ben Carson voice, which is delightful. Yeah. And uh, fingers crossed, I want a cabinet position for Ray Comfort. If we're gonna, that, like, how Ray, much worse could it be than what he's exactly, coming up with? Exactly. That's not sillier than Ben Carson. Well done. Yeah. I like we got it. Steve fucking Bannon, Ray Comfort's a mercy at this point. <laughs> oh, okay. How about this? Uh, assuming we survive, we're going to elect a black, gay, trans, communist little person in 2020. <laughs> right? Right? There's pendulums, right? Everyone right, keeps talking no. about pendulums, so. Yeah. Um, how about this one? Uh, this is actually good. The Secret Service detail will likely dissuade future pussy grabbing. Right? Because they would know. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, they probably they wouldn't tell. Um, uh, well, what uh, – what about this? I mean, all those minorities were starting to get pretty uppity there for a second. <laughs> I mean, that's some, I, I'm not saying all lives matter. I'm not an asshole, but some. some. But, but, but I, I, I have some. That's going to really like uh, even out our Twitter hate this this week. They, they, they'll they'll be like, but but you know, but he did throw us a bone. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Their their phones, their thumbs stop typing and they gently wait a put them to the side. Hold wait, on wait a second. <laughs> no, I like always liked that Heath fella, shaved head for a reason. <laughs> Right. And I've talked about this a little bit on social media, and I know it sounds like the desperate begging of a sad man because it is, but look, <laughs> there is a chance he won't do any of the horrible shit his supporters hoped now that he's president, and and we'll all just get to watch David Duke take Donald to task for not getting on that genocide in a timely manner. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's really the best case scenario, isn't it? Wonderful. That's Thanks for relieving the depression there. Oh, Not timely <laughs> genocide, best case scenario. I just want to reiterate. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, I got Put it I, on your vision boards. I do have an important one here, though. Jim Baker food buckets make great furniture, right? So coffee <laughs> table, end table, whatever you need, you're prepared for whatever comes of a Trump presidency. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, oh, no, I got one more. This is actually, uh, this is for us. Uh, Louis C.K. show at the Garden that we're seeing next month is going to be even better than it was going to be. <laughs> like Jim Crow, world financial crisis, nuclear war, better. There it's you true. go. Or else this it was true. a bad trade. <laughs> and that's going to do it for episode 40. Thanks to No Illusions. And thanks to Eli Bosnick. Also, thanks to all the listeners that liked us on Facebook, followed us on Twitter, and sent us feedback on the other various internets. Please keep doing that. Please keep listening. And please keep telling your friends. And if you find the naive stupidity of our giving away a free show business model to be oddly charming, please feel free to send us gifts of money at our donation page at patreon.com slash skeptocrat. Just like a large list of people whose names I couldn't get Patreon to display for me correctly. So I will compliment your peens and vagina uh, next time. And whether or not you're feeling financially benevolent, like those fine people that I wasn't able to name just now, if you enjoyed our brand of whimsy, and you'd like to hear more dick jokes free of charge, check out our brother and sister shows, The Scathing Atheist and God Awful Movies, available on iTunes, Stitcher, or the Deep Web. We just have one last thing. Let's compliment that penist. Special thanks to Ryan Slotnick of Evil Giraffes on Mars. He's the creator of the virtuosic musical stylings you heard today, which were used with his permission. You should definitely check them out using the links we'll provide or by Googling the only band called Evil Giraffes on Mars. Until next time, catchphrase sign-off. And fuck! White power. That should be our <laughs> new catchphrase sign-off, just in case they come for us. <laughs> no, no, we're on your side. See? You can See? tell. Huh? We, we, we're, we're, we're down with the glorious leader. So we're really trying to. I got it. I got it. I'm just. I'm reading it. I'm looking at the teleprompter. It's right here in front of me. I got this. I don't use teleprompters. <laughs> if they knew well enough not to vote for Donald Trump, then you should have known well enough to vote for Hitler. It is not a fucking enough <laughs> to abstain. I'm oh, sorry, Eli. You, you said Hitler. You said Hitler. It's when you Hillary. meant Hillary. Did I say Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> That changes oh. the meaning a lot. Hitler. You should have <laughs> voted for Hitler. Honestly, you could have voted for Hitler. All right. <laughs> then you should have known well enough to vote for Hit. <laughs> I can't do it. Oh, God. This is, this is how my brain's adapting. <laughs>
I've forgotten her name. All right. You voted for Trump, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Liar. <laughs> The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle in a Thunderstorm, LLC, copyright 2016, all rights reserved.